Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 769 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's episode features Heather, who has type 1 diabetes, as does uh, everyone else she knows, pretty much. Uh, at least everyone she's related to. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people. You'll see. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you are a person living with type 1 diabetes who is a U.S. resident, or you are a person who is the caregiver of someone living with type 1 diabetes, also a U.S. resident, go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and complete the survey. When you do, you'll be helping yourself, you'll be helping me, and people with type 1 diabetes. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. You know the answers to every question they're going to ask. They're very basic questions about your health, specifically about type 1 diabetes. You'll be able to answer them with no trouble. It takes fewer than 10 minutes. It's completely HIPAA compliant and absolutely anonymous. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Today's episode of the Juicebox Podcast is brought to you by U.S. Med. Get your diabetes supplies from U.S. Med. Start now by calling 888-721-1514 or by going to usmed.com forward slash juicebox. And U.S. Med has a new product update that I'm going to tell you more about during the ad, but I'm just going to give you a little taste right now. Freestyle Libre 3 at U.S. Med. You can get it now. This episode is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Yes, indeed, you can use the same blood glucose meter as Arden and get the same great results at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. My name is Heather and I live in northern suburbs of Chicago and I am a type one myself. My brother is type one and two of my three children are type one. See. Already, now we know why you're here. Do you think that yeah. <laughs> at this point, Heather, do you think people listen to the podcast and think like everybody who has type 1 diabetes has like so many other people in their family or do they realize that just once in a while people like you reach out? I, I always wonder that. Um, I, you know what? I don't know because I haven't run into it. I mean, I know several singleton type 1s, but I have I've yet to run into multiple family members like personally. Like I see them on, you know uh, – uh, podcasts or I hear them on podcasts or I see them on um, like Facebook page things. Mm -hmm. uh, but personally, I've never run into anybody. And our ours is a little bit different because my brother was diagnosed when he was seven and he's now 50. Okay. And then we thought we were home free because nobody else had it. And then all of a sudden, my son, <laughs> years later, was diagnosed. Then I was diagnosed. Then my daughter was diagnosed. So ooh, ooh, okay. I know. Hold, hold it's on. It's bizarre. Second. So the brother of 43 years ago. Yep. Um, he was diagnosed. I don't want to show off, but I don't know. 40 years ago. What are we talking about here? The 80s? I don't know. I, I don't want to. I'm, I'm embarrassing myself. I feel like it was the late <laughs> 70s. Was yes. It, was it? <laughs> Yes, oh it was. God, look at me. <laughs> Damn, that was amazing. Uh, okay, now, the, now your son, who uh, is how old now? He is now 24. He was diagnosed at 14. 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. 2012. Yep. 
Uh-huh. That was, that I was, was God, you? I was, I was diagnosed eight years ago at age 40. Oh, okay. And I was actually misdiagnosed as type two. Um, and mm-hmm. then I, I had a terrible doctor and then I started, they put me on insulin and it wasn't working. And then I sort of did my own thing. Cause I was, you know, I knew how to take, I didn't do anything drastic, but I was like, I'm going to take a little more insulin. I'm going to do this. Oh, I apologize. Can you, um, um, for my dogs. Do you, do you think um, that will happen a, a lot? <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> That's okay. Um, wait, well, I, I have a question though, like right yes. off the bat. Your brothers had diabetes for, I mean, listen, eight years ago, your brothers had diabetes for almost 40 years, right? And then, yeah. or 35, whatever, it doesn't matter. Long time is my point. And right. then your son gets type 1 diabetes. How do yes. they think you have type 2? Well, because I had a terrible doctor. I tried to tell him. I'm like, look, it's in my family. And he... I guess I had, I have lost weight since then. So I guess they looked at my body weight and I wasn't like gigantic. I was probably 175, four. I mean, I could have lost lost some weight, but you know, I wasn't obese by any means, but I think they just looked, I don't know. This doctor was terrible. Um, and so they put me on metformin first. I didn't work. Then they put me on insulin. Um, that sort of worked, but not really. I still had really high sugars. And then I sort of started doing my own thing. And then all of a sudden I was the same ratios as my son. And I'm like, time to get a new doctor. And I did. And they did all the tests. And sure enough, so <laughs> lo and behold. <laughs> the, the first doctor wouldn't do the testing, like C-peptide, stuff like that? <sighs> Antibody he, testing? He, I guess he never did. And I didn't really know what to ask for, to tell you the truth. I because, see. you know, when my son was diagnosed, it was so cut and dry that I didn't know about all the blood tests that needed to be done. You know, he was definitely type one. I mean, he was a DKA. How long did this so, process go for you about well, being oh, misdiagnosed type two? Um, I think it was like a year and a half. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I had sugars that were like two and 300. I was pretty much always that. <laughs> I'm surprised I don't have any like lasting, you know, it's damage just, of any sort. I, I think I was just hanging on. I think I was taking enough insulin and enough metformin and maybe I was still a little bit honeymooning to just keep myself afloat. Did you lose a lot of weight during that time? I didn't. Isn't that weird? I wish I did. I lost a little bit, but not a ton. Um, I lost weight after the fact. um, After you got on insulin? After I got on insulin. Well, I was exercising more. I mean, I was working at it. Um, But yeah, it was just was a very bizarre situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, you know, I talked to my doctor now who I love and she's like, and I remember getting her and I, and I told her without being super mean, I'm like, you know, this doctor who is in her office and she's like, yeah, he's really good if you have type two, but he really doesn't know much about type one. <laughs> so I thought, well, that makes sense. So, so yeah, you weren't seeing an, you weren't seeing an endocrinologist with the first doctor. The first doctor was an endocrinologist, really? yes, but he, but he, according to the second doctor that I got after I did some research, because with our, our, I don't know if it's insurance, I think it's just the um, hospital. You can only switch once. I, I think you could probably fight it. But when I was looking for a new doctor, they're like, make sure you get the one you want, because you can only switch one time within, I don't know how many years. So I did some research and I found a really good one. But yes, he was an endocrinologist, but hmm. he was just one that I, because I was in the hospital for something else. I had a really bad infection and I had some high sugars in the hospital and they're like, oh, this is normal blah, 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 here, test your blood sugar once a week. So that's that's how it started. And I started doing that. And I'm like, wow, this is really high. I don't think I'm supposed to be this way. And then when I called my primary care, they're like, here, go see this doctor. 
And so I got sort of thrown with this one original doctor who didn't, excuse me, didn't know what he was doing for me personally. Maybe yeah. he was wonderful with other things, but not, not in my that. case. In Chicago too. Like I, I don't, see, yeah. I feel like that would be, I don't know, you'd think you could find a decent doctor. So yeah, he was also, he's quite elderly. I mean, I, I didn't know, you know, I just thought, give me anybody. Uh, I guess I was more concerned about my son. <laughs> you know, I, I'm always more concerned about other people than myself. So I think I was just like, okay, I'll just do what they say, but I'm busy with everybody else making sure they're okay. And, um, and by the, at that point, your son basically had it for six years already. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, I mean, I wasn't really taking care of him anymore. I, right. I, I still have a little bit of a, um, uh, power, power over diabetes. Like I like to control, <laughs> I try and control every part of it. Um, but he had kind of told me skedaddle mom, leave me alone. Um, at that point, uh, but That's, just, just in general, taking care of everybody else. And yeah, I was, I thought I was taking care of myself by going to an endocrinologist, but you know, I wasn't taking care of myself cause I wasn't really advocating at first for myself. Cause I didn't really know any better. Okay. Did you have any of those feelings? Like I'm not doing a good job managing my type two diabetes feelings. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, because when my son was diagnosed, I mean, he was, I think he's 14. Yeah. 14 when he was diagnosed. So he pretty much took over right away. You know, he's like, I'm fine. And of course being around my brother, you know, I was devastated, but my son's like, it's fine. Cause he saw it, you know, uncle, his uncle was totally fine and, you know, lived but- a good life. And, but I still had some control issues over it. Um, so when I, had to deal with myself and my sugars were high and I couldn't get them under control. I was like, what is going on? And I did so much research and so much this. And that's when finally they put me on insulin. And that's when I started doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they, I, I was on Lantus first and that didn't work. And then they put me on Humalog with the Lantus. And I think I was on a very short, a small dose. I can't really remember, but then I started upping it little by little. And then all of a sudden, like I said, I was one to 10, just like my son. Yeah. I was like, huh, look at that. <laughs> now my blood sugars are good. So I have a little bit of insight from your note, but you know, to go back to your brother, and I don't want to talk about somebody who's not here too much, but uh, I think there's a lot of context here. He's diagnosed a very long time ago, you know, obviously ma- managing regular and MPH, but he never stopped doing that. Is that right? Never stopped taking insulin? No, never stopped a management system that was just regular and MPH. And so he didn't modernize his insulin or did he eventually? No, he, I think he has, a, I think he's on Humalog and something else now, but he no, still no, only he takes, but he still only takes a shot in the morning and a shot at night and pokes his finger. He has no technology. He has no desire. He doesn't even have pens. He uses the actual syringes and the vial. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, but, is that why diabetes looked kind of, uh, I don't want to say easy, but I guess not very encumbering to you because he, he, his interactions with it weren't really very frequent I, in front of people, I would imagine. Uh, maybe, maybe I, but I think they just saw that, you know, he still had a great job. He still traveled all the time with his job. You know, he, he still had a full life. So nobody saw it as, Hey, uncle can't do this or he can't do that. You know, we never saw any of that. And that's not the case with diabetes. Yeah. yeah. No one's even aware of his health. They're just aware of like, he looks like he's doing the things you expect an adult to be doing. Right. And everybody knew that he had diabetes, Mm -hmm. but, and, you know, we knew that he would go into the bathroom before dinner and take a shot. He, you know, our family is very open. We just lift up our shirt and, you know, poke our stomach or, (laughs) you know, we all, two of us have pumps. My daughter's still MDI, but you know, we're not shy at all. He's a little bit more shy, but you know, back in the day it wasn't as common and you know, it wasn't as easy to, you know, whip something out at 
out at dinner, you know, there yeah, was no, more sure. to it, you know. For sure. So um, when your son's diagnosed then, I mean, did you ever think to manage the way your brother was managing or you went along with what what was suggested to you? No, I just listened to the hospital and uh, what they said made more sense. And I started talking to my brother. I'm like, hey, you know, this is how they told us to do it. He's like, no, nah, I'm fine. He's like, I, I, I do just fine. I know when I, he can tell when he's high and he's, he's amazing. Like, he's like, I think I'm high right now. I'm thinking I'm probably this number and he'll test and he's pretty dang close. <laughs> and he'll say, I think I'm low right now. And he'll pick a number and he's pretty dang close. I don't know how he does it. Do you, I mean, do you know what he, do you know what that means when you say he's fine? Like, do you really know his, his A1Cs and things like that? I, you know what? I have never seen, I actually I take that back. One time I did see his A1C, it was 6.6, but that was a long time ago. Right. And I assume it's the same. I, you know, I guess I don't know. Right. Um, he has no damage that I know of. Hmm. Uh, no, no, and no. I mean, this, this is, your, I, I don't, I don't know. He tells me his A1Cs. I guess he could be making it up, but, <laughs> um, I, you know. I, I don't know for sure. That would be a lot of effort <laughs> to call your to call your adult sister to make up your A1C tour. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, I do have to say when he was a teenager, like, I didn't think he was going to make it through his teenage years. Like, I'm not kidding. We all thought that he just wasn't going to make it. He had, a, he had a horrible time with his diabetes and just in general being a teenager. I have a message here from our friends at US Med. The long-awaited Freestyle Libre 3 CGM is ready for delivery, and US Med has a big stack of them. That's right, the new CGM, which is the most accurate 14-day system out there, is ready and waiting for you at US Med. All you have to do to get started at US Med is go to usmed.com forward slash juice box, or if you prefer the phone, 888-721-1514. Maybe you're already a US Med customer. If that's the case, just call my number and let them know. I want that Freestyle Libre 3. Bring it on. If you don't know about US Med, here's a couple quick things. They accept Medicare nationwide and over 18 and over 800 private insurers. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and have served over 1 million people living with diabetes since 1996. They always provide 90 days worth of supplies, and of course, you get fast and free shipping. US Med carries everything from the Dexcom G6 to now the Freestyle Libre 3. I guess you could get the two as well if you wanted it. Testing supplies, insulin pumps, you name it, they got it at US Med. We just received our order of Omnipods the other day from US Med, and Arden's Dexcom supplies were ready to ship, and I was able to go onto the website and change the delivery address so she gets them right at college. Super simple, super easy, U.S. Med. Now, one of the things you might want to ask U.S. Med about, or perhaps even buy online yourself, depending on where you can get the best deal, is the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Why did I say that? Because at ContourNext.com, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to type it in, ContourNext.com forward slash juice box. I can't stop myself from going forward slash. Uh, at contournext.com forward slash juice box, you can actually just buy the test strips and the meter right there if you like. Big yellow button says buy now, takes you to, geez, eight different online venues where you can get the, the, the stuff. Uh, that uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Contour's thrilled that I called it the stuff, but you know what I mean. The Contour Next One meter. 
Walmart, Amazon, Walgreens, CVS, uh, something called Miger, Kroger, Target, Rite Aid. There's all kinds of links here. And I'm telling you, you're going to be surprised by the price. Check it out at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Everybody has a blood glucose meter. Everyone needs a blood glucose meter, but all blood glucose meters are not born the same. Some of them just aren't as accurate as others, and you deserve an accurate meter. For my money, it's the Contour Next one. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes of the podcast player you're listening in right now and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Contour, US Med, and all the sponsors. When you're clicking on my links or typing them in a browser, you are supporting the show. And for that, I'd like to say thank you. Now we're going to get back to Heather. So how we were so? just also, we were, how so did you ask? Yeah. yeah. Can you, can you tell me more about that? Yeah. He, um, he was kind of into some drugs, some friends that weren't the best friends. He struggled with, I don't know if it was just the diabetes. I think he just didn't want to be a diabetic at that time. Mm-hmm. And also just didn't want people to tell him what to do in general, even without the diabetes. He just had a really really rough childhood. Um, you know, my parents didn't quite know what to do with him. They ended up putting him in, um, a psychiatric hospital in the city, which was probably the worst place for him, but they didn't know what else to do because he just wasn't taking care of himself. Um, and all the, and we really didn't think he was going to make it. He ran away a few times, um, called the paramedics. I can't tell you how many times with him, uh, in, in convulsions and, uh, so for him to make it through that, we were all shocked. Um, and he's, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I get maybe the paramedics have been called. He lives by himself. So I don't know. Um, but I don't know about it if they have. See, I think your brother's brilliant. He set the bar so low that just being <laughs> upright, you're like, he's doing amazing. <laughs> I know. Well, that could be part of it. But he also on the flip side, I grew up with it, with him having diabetes so many years ago. So when they told me all, all this new technology and stuff, when my son was diagnosed, I'm like, wow, this is going to be super easy <laughs> because, you know, I remember with the test tubes and the urine and the, yeah. I think we had little tablets. I, I wasn't really involved in it. I just remember holding up this test tube to different colors. And so, I mean, it's come a long way. So I, I, can, I tell people that I'm like, I don't know if we'll see a cure in our, my lifetime, but I can tell you what has changed since my brother was diagnosed and it's huge. Was there any concern, not that they're even the same person, but, and maybe your your son might have a completely different personality, but when your son's diagnosed, do any of the thoughts of what your brother's life was like creep into your head? Do you think maybe these were issues he was having because of diabetes, not personality or, or something like that? Did, did you ever worry about that? I did kind of worry about it. Um, I, I was a little bit more relieved because my son wasn't in general, going through any of those problems at that time. Mm -hmm. And that's about the age that my brother was completely out of control. So my, my son was a pretty, not that my brother wasn't a good kid, but he just had his struggles. My son wasn't having any struggles when he was diagnosed. So at least he had that going for him. Uh, So I didn't, that really didn't concern me. I, I wasn't too worried about that. I just was more worried about, you know, the end of the life that he knew. And now he has to join this new life that no, no mother no parent wants their kid to have to struggle and, you know, in any way, yeah. in any way. Yeah. And so, you know, I was devastated for that, but I, I don't think it ever occurred to me that he would have any of the problems that my brother did. Okay. So your son's diagnosed, he gets uh, what kind of technology? 
Uh, he got Dexcom and he was doing MDI for a while. Uh, but I think it was like less than a year before he got the pump. Mm-hmm. So I got a T slim and he's still on both of those and he's, he's doing great. Um, Did he yeah, go to he, college at the end of high school? He went to college. He went to a community college for a couple of years, decided that wasn't for him very, it, it, that was really hard for me. Cause I always told my kids, I'm like four-year degree, you need a four-year degree. I don't care what it's in, but get a four-year degree. And then, you know, things change mm-hmm. and He's a very smart kid, very bright computers, um, and he just didn't like school. So he ended up going and doing some sort of a, I think it was called like a boot camp, computer boot camp, and then some other training. And he's, I call it his big boy job now. He's got a, a real job now and with insurance, and he's doing great. Excellent. He and his girlfriend bought a condo together. They've got two dogs, my grandkids. So <laughs> they're they're doing fantastic. And the uh, girlfriend that he's with, I I mean, I know she's going to be around forever because they've been together forever, but she was with him before and after diabetes diagnosis. And I think my feeling is anyone who's a young kid who can stick with somebody after the fact, that's a good, that's a good egg. (laughs) I I really only asked because I was wondering how he left, was he leaving home after high school or was he still at at the house? Like I was trying to figure out how management was going there. Oh, Um, he was still at the house. uh, I think it was a year or two. Trying to think. I think a year, a year after, because when he was at the community college, he was still living at home. But then he and his girlfriend moved into an apartment. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, I mean, but he's always he's been really good about managing it. Um, Do you follow I, his blood sugars? I used to. I don't anymore. I follow my daughter's and obviously my own, and that's about all I can handle right now. <laughs> I can't. I don't think I can handle following him uh, <laughs> because I I'm sure that he has lows that he takes care of and I'm sure he has highs that he takes care of. And I just, I mentally can't do it. I mean, I guess I could if I had to, but I don't think he wants me to to tell you the truth. Do you still go back and forth about it? Like, do you check in with him at like endo visits or anything like that? Or are you pretty much out of it? Oh, no, 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 no. I remind him. I make sure that he has his endo visits. I make sure he, I'm still semi in charge of his supplies he could do it. It's just easier for me because we're all kind of on the same schedule. So I just kind of order everything at the same time. Um, so I need to start releasing that to him a little bit more. But yeah, he has, I think his latest, his last A1C was 6.4 or 6.5. It was great. one of those two. That's great. Which, you know, and he he doesn't let it, you know, he, he's not as controlling about it as I am. Mm-hmm. But he does okay. Like neither one of us has is on CIQ. Um, eventually, I think I might. I'm getting closer and closer. But I think it's just the control. We like to see what our blood sugar is. We like to be able to be the one to be like, oh, I'll correct it this way. Yeah. And I know it seems like more work, but I'm so used to it that it's not more work. It's I, just a way of life for me. Right. And no. it's working. And it's working for me. Oh, yeah. I think whatever works is what's right. I, um, yeah. I'm i just interested about kids always in their early 20s, right? They want to be independent. They don't, you know, you don't get to see my blood sugar. You don't have to be kind of, but could you please order my supplies and do the, yeah. like they, you know, they want to be in charge of all the fun stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, I have to give him credit. He has never asked me to order his supplies. You just do it. I just have done it. And it's me. If I were to say, here you go, it's on you. It would be totally fine. No, that's just like um, me saying that my wife vacuums my bedroom and I don't say anything about it. Cause I want her to keep doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't ever whip out the vacuum and run towards the, the bedroom because I'm like, Oh, if I vacuum it, she might stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. So, okay. So wait a minute. So 
you're both using uh, tandem control, I- mm-hmm. but not control IQ. You're using, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, a G6 Dexcom. Yes. Um, he's got a, an A1C in the lower sixes and, and 24 years old living on his own. Seems terrific to me. Um, yeah. Your brother's never shown any interest in this technology? Like, never. asked you about it, been like, hey, let me see that? Like, nothing. Never, never. I, he's very private. I mean, he, we all, I mean, he doesn't hide it from us necessarily, but like in his travels and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I think that's probably part of why he doesn't want it because, you know, God forbid somebody sees the wire, they might know he's a diabetic. He thinks, I don't know also. this for sure. This is just my feeling. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, he's just, He's not open about it like we are. Like I've got all of my my supplies like all over the place sometimes. And like I said, if we're out in public, my daughter has no problem lifting up her shirt. She has an eye port, which is wonderful for Mm -hmm. her MDI. Um, uh, So she just lifts it up and, you know, takes a shot right there. Right. No big deal. She's changed her Dexcom in public. She doesn't care. Nobody cares. And I'm glad I, I. I normalized it. I didn't want people to be embarrassed about it because it's nothing to be embarrassed about. I mean, obviously nobody would do anything. You know, I told him, I said, you know, if we're in a restaurant, don't turn to the person next to you and be like, haha, look what I'm doing. (laughs) You don't have to do that. You don't have to like shove it in their nose. But, um, but there's nothing wrong with doing this in public as long as you, you know, are respectful of other people who might be a little queasy of needles or this and that. No, I think that's excellent. It's your situation. There's no reason you should have to hide. Um, mm-hmm. so now the next thing I'm really interested in is yes. that your son had diabetes for, uh, am I right? About six years before you got it. Yes. Did you ever once think I might get diabetes? Never. Okay. Never. All right. Never, ever. I thought I, I never, I thought maybe one of my other kids would get it, but I never, it never crossed my mind that it I could would be you. And at 40 ever. years old too. I mean, you were, yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the time, I didn't know that there were so many people my age all of a sudden, not, maybe not all of a sudden, but it was being more prevalent that people my age or older were getting type one. But then once I was diagnosed, I started doing a little research. I'm like, look at that. There's a lot of us out there. Yeah. Jenny and I were talking about this the other day while we were recording about how just probably the function of the JDRF being originally called the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation probably makes a lot of people think you can't get diabetes after you're 18. You, you right. know, um, just a misnomer. Uh, right. So I'm wondering, when you're diagnosed, does he turn into the parent, or like, what's the what what ends up being the um, you know what I mean? Like, there there's there's got to be this moment where he's like, oh, she has a thing I know about. Like, like I've had this thing, nobody else has had it. Now my mom has it. Like, does he become? You know what I mean? Like, does he turn into a mentor, or does he like what's um, the the whole dynamic? You know, he actually was a mentor. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily wanted to. He never complained about it. But I was the one asking him a thousand questions. <laughs> I had so many questions for him. And especially when I went on the pump, I had questions for him. But when I first was diagnosed and I was just doing shots, I remember the first shot that I had to give myself. And this is when I was misdiagnosed as type type 2. But I think it took me 45 minutes before I finally was able to get my shot. And my son sat there and he was just laughing hysterically. He's like, mom, just do it. <laughs> I'm like, and I try, you know, I'd, I'd get ready and I, you know, one, two, three, and then I'd stop. And he's like, oh my gosh, just do it already. <laughs> and you had given him countless shots. I had given him a million shots, right. but for some <laughs> reason I just couldn't do it to myself. <laughs> but uh, he, he has been um, 
he has been a mentor and I still talk to him about it. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, if I find something that works for me, I'm like, Hey, you might want to try this. Like, you know, the never ending pasta battle. Uh, you know, we both love pasta and, you know, we're looking, always looking for different kinds or different um, extended boluses or this and that, or different ways of doing things. And we'll share, you know, what works for us, what doesn't Yeah. Uh, different low snacks. We're always looking for new low, sla- low snacks. Um, I, I mean, not as much anymore, I guess he's not my mentor, but at the beginning, yes. Yeah, 100%. I, just, I just met at the beginning. And by the way, Dream Fields is my favorite pasta. I find it the easiest to bowl is for. Oh. Um, okay, so now, so now here's my here's my real question. They're not a sponsor, but I would let them be, just in case they're listening. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to write that down. I'm writing it down right uh, now. Well, yeah, you know, I thought maybe it was possible you worked for Dream Fields and you were going to call no. somebody. But, um, <laughs> uh, I... So now I want to dig into this a little bit. The difference between being the caregiver of someone with type 1 and having type 1. So what what were the things that happened when it became about you? And how was that different than managing it when you were helping somebody else? Oh, let's see. I, I want you to know I think about this all the time. I okay. wonder, like... What would happen if I woke up one day and I had type one? If if this podcast wouldn't turn into like me being like, oh, I'm so bad at this for myself, <laughs> you know, or um, or if if I'd be able to apply it, and or if there'd be psychological things, or like it just seems like it's I don't know. It's it seems to me like there's a big shift in there somewhere. Maybe you were effortless about it. I don't know. I don't think that there was a big shift for me. If anything, I think it was maybe easier because I always felt like when I tried to, and like I said, my son really sort of took over from day one. Uh, I, I tried to be a little bit more controlling, but he really, he just took it and ran with it. Mm-hmm. He, he was amazing, as was my daughter um, when she was diagnosed. So when I was diagnosed, I, I really wasn't, I don't know if I'm getting, answering your question. I really wasn't taking care of him that much anymore. So the, the focus was really just on me. And I, I, I guess there was a little bit of, a little bit of guilt because I'm like, Oh, great. You know, definitely it comes from my side of the family. <laughs> and you know, once I was diagnosed, I'm like, well here now I, now I've given my kids even a stronger chance of getting it. But as far as caretaking, I don't, I don't think there was much of a shift other than him all of a sudden becoming the mentor. What about know? perspective? Were there things that you were doing with him that you maybe didn't see the in, the complete uh, range of emotions that would be impacted or, or something to that effect that when it is something you had to do to yourself, you recognize that, oh gosh, there's more to this than I thought, or is everything about the way you expected it? Um, I think maybe like when he would be low. Like, even if he wasn't super low, I was like in a panic. I'm like, hurry, 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 hurry. Got to do this. Got to do this. And for a kid to hear that, that's like nagging. It's like, leave me alone, mom. I mean, I know it's emergent or it can be emergent. Mm -hmm. But then when I was having those lows, I'm like, oh, 75. Eh, I'm fine. I've got a little bit, (laughs) you know? So I kind of would look back and be like, oh, I was kind of a bully to him. Not, not a bully, but I was kind of very naggy to him. Just take care of it. Take care of it. Take care of it. When 
Uh, that's about the only thing I can think of. Arden um, was Arden was sixty five the other day, and it was sitting there. And I'm like, Arden, this is not holding. I'm like, I showed her the line. I'm like, look at the line. The line is telling us it's going to keep going down. If you just did something right this second, it would take <laughs> a few carbs, and it would be over. And she's like, I have plenty of time, plenty of time. Yes. This, oh my gosh, you know. she sounds like my daughter. Right. I get I get fifty threes. She's in college, and I get fifty threes like arrow angled down. I'm like. You know, I always send her like a blood drop and a low arrow, a text. And yeah. it's like, just tell me that you know this is going on. She's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, I'm no, like, no. You're not, you're not fine. <laughs> it's always, it's always like, it's fine. I'm like, Arden, now the arrow is diagonal down. I was like, you yeah. know, the Dexcom's not, it's not magic, right? You know, it's not exactly what's happening now. It's a little behind real time. You're probably a little lower than this already. And then, you know, mm-hmm. 55. And then she's like, I'm dizzy. And I'm like, oh, no kidding. <laughs> Are you really? I, like, I, don't know, I don't know how that could have possibly happened. Well, that wolf is going to kill something. I know. Yeah, sorry about that. That's <laughs> no, okay. What kind of dogs? They're Labradors. Oh, wow. Very nice. They're Yeah, they're two years old. And they think they see something outside. Quiet. Yeah, they probably just hear something outside. Um, but, but yeah, my daughter does the same thing. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I just don't want to follow her just for that reason. But, and it's worrisome too because she can't feel them half the time. Like I'm 75 and I start to feel a little bit shaky. Right. Um, but I'm okay for a little bit. And then as I get lower, I get like sweatier and this and that. She it takes her a while. And then finally she's like, Oh yeah, I guess I did feel that. I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> how old was she when she was diagnosed? She was 18. Oh, okay. And how old is she now? 19. She was diagnosed a year ago in February. Okay. And you have another child? I have another child and we did trial net with him. And so far he has no, um, what are they? Auto antibodies or mm-hmm. whatever they're called. Yeah. The antibodies for, for type one. Yeah. yeah. So That's he has one. none of them. You know, they say that that should be good for about five years. Who knows? Um, we'll see. How, you know, old, I, how, how old is he? I'm sorry. He's 22. 22. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not that I want any, not that I wanted any of my kids to have diabetes. However, of the kids I have, the two that have it are the best to have it. Um, this one who does not, as of now, hopefully it stays that way. He struggles with some anxiety and depression already. Mm-hmm. And I think that would just be not a good situation. I are, mean, we'd, we'd work, we'd figure it out, but I just, I'm hopeful that he is spared. Are there any other autoimmunes in the family? None. Celiac. Have, nothing. Nope, nothing. Interesting. How about extended family? Your parents, mom got a thyroid problem. No, everyone's wow. pretty healthy. Crazy. Uh, the only and the only other diabetes we have in our family is my dad's aunt who has passed away, not from diabetes. I think it's just old age, or maybe it was a combination. Um, but she, excuse me, she had diabetes. That was the only other diabetes that we knew of in our family, and you still said, to this day. You said not diabetes. She and my brain filled in was hit by an elephant. That's what I wanted you to say. I don't know oh. why. I wanted like some exciting death for this poor woman uh, for the podcast. That's uh, goodness. The, the three kids have the same father. Yes. Okay. Uh, are you married? No, not no. anymore. Okay. Um, does he have any issues besides being a terrible guy? No, I'm just kidding. Uh- <laughs> no, actually, um, I w- wasn't going to bring this up, but I, it's fine that, that you brought it up. He actually was diagnosed with um, type one as well. Uh I don't know. And I wasn't going to bring it up because I don't know a whole lot about his situation. Um, Holy hell. I know. But he was diagnosed. He was uh, a pilot in the Navy. 
and we were still married and he was diagnosed at that point as type two as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, which was weird cause he was like tall, skinny, I mean, fit. So that didn't make sense. Um, and I didn't know a whole lot about diabetes other than my brother at that point. So I, you know, I just went along with it. And so that kind of spiraled down. It was like a downward spiral for him because if you're a pilot in the Navy, that's who you are. And if you can't fly, your life's kind of over. Yeah. Or so you think. I put up <laughs> so an episode. I put up an episode two days ago with a mom whose kid wanted to be an Air Force pilot because his father was, and he was just diagnosed recently. It's interesting that you said pilot. Huh. Um, huh. Hey, uh, just real quick, uh, a health check on you. How's your uterus? You okay? You pumped all those kids out pretty quick. I'm starting to look at the dates now, and it's hitting me. You made those babies in a span of like five years, right? Uh, probably. Wow. Yeah, I'm good. You're a machine. <laughs> A machine, Heather. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I got married. He was in the Navy. I couldn't really hold down a job because we were moving like every seven months. Right. So I figured I might as well have my family. And I'm glad I did because yeah. I'm I'm 48 and my youngest is 19. I mean, I, I love the fact that I'm, you know, one day going to be a young grandma. I, I have to be I honest. I'm there with you. I'm 50. My son's 22 and Arden's going to be 18 in a couple of months. You're a little younger than me in that spectrum, but I really do. There are times we go to kids events and there are parents who are sometimes 15, 18 years older than me. And oh, yeah. And I'm like, I don't even know how they're doing this. I'm tired when I get home from this thing. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So especially where I live, um, where the area that I am live in the parent age is much older than me. Like mm-hmm. I was by far the youngest mom of all of my kids' friends Yeah, uh, when they were in high school, grade school. Um, so yeah, when, when and my, I, I did. I, you know, I started young, but right, right. I'm glad I did. Yeah. When, when my kids were younger, uh, even cultural references from other parents, I w- I'd realize I'm like, Oh my God, we're not even in the same generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of these parents, I'm like, is that, I'd have to ask my kid, I'm like, is that their grandfather or is that their dad? Yeah. And even now, even the, I work at a school and even now some of the parents, I look at them, I'm like, Holy cow. Yeah. I'm like, how do you have any energy? Cause I certainly, if I had somebody in elementary school right now, I, I could do it. I don't want to do it. Right. That's the thing. No, no. <laughs> my, my son said to me, like, yesterday, he's like, hey, I might be pitching on Wednesday. Do you want to come up? It's like a two and a half hour ride to probably watch him pitch for a couple of innings, you, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. But if I was 10 years older, I'd be like, I don't know, man. Tell a yep. friend to hold up a video camera or something because yep. I, I can't yep. do that. I can't drive for five hours <laughs> to watch you pitch for 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I still feel lucky that we can – we can do that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's 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 trade offs. I mean, we had kids when we were like, like we were functionally idiots. Still, we were pretty young, and there was a lot of stuff we didn't understand. But even that didn't. I mean, it didn't stop us. It didn't get in our way. It was just. It was different. I do see the benefit of sometimes older people. They make more. I don't know. Like they 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 had more life experience on their own. I guess, mm-hmm. which is definitely something mm-hmm. I I don't have. I have no experience about being by myself. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I just know, I just started doing the math. I'd like, I'd make notes while I'm talking and I'm like 24, 22, 19, she's 48. And I was like, hold on a second. Um, yeah, no, I was done before I was done having kids by the time I was 30 or before I was 30, something like that. Yeah. But now let's get back to what you brought up because that's even more astonishing. You have type one diabetes and you married a person who ended up also having type one diabetes. Your kids all yes. had no chance, I'm guessing. Um, but 
the odds there, you know what I say, the odds must not be good, but this is not the first time someone said this to me, but, but still that that's insane. Like, Isn't really that insane? Is. Yeah. Like for, for both of us to have been diagnosed later in life is really bizarre. Right. I think it's very, very strange. Are you on um, top of like a, like nuclear waste or like, n- not that I know of. <laughs> I grew like up a in jo- power no, I line running in- over the house. That's buzzing no, really loud. <laughs> I, I grew up in Georgia. Um, and then I moved here. I guess I moved here when I was in second grade and he lived in the same area around here, but sort of a different town. Uh, so no, I don't think so. House is yeah, glowing. I, basement doesn't smell weird. Like, uh, no, <laughs> like, no, I guess I grew up, I did grow up around a lot of like wire, you know, I'm just kidding. Pole, I don't, poles, but, yeah. but yeah, I, 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 I don't, I really don't know. Um, but he, yeah, he, their dad, he's very secretive about his, like when they mm-hmm. used to go visit him, like my son had to go to the bathroom, even at their house to, to do a shot and this and that. And I thought that was ridiculous, but um, but he's very secretive. Not not secretive. That's a bad word. Private. Um, thank you. Private. Yeah, yeah, he's very yeah. private about his um, is he his diabetes. Is I know you guys aren't together, but do you have any idea of how he manages? Does he is he using tech or? Uh, I, he does not have a pump. Um, he I think he's just MDI, and he did have a Dexcom. But my daughter just recently told me that he was sending her all of his sensors because he didn't like it. I don't know why he didn't like it. All that information um, that helps you be healthy, it's uh, upsetting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's fantastic. Well, um, everything's but, not for everybody, but um, yeah, uh, really is. That's I'm I'm genuine. When you said that, I was like, I just wanted to tease you about having a bunch of babies, and then <laughs> you were like, Well, I wasn't going to bring it up, but he has type one. And I was yeah. like, Oh my god, <laughs> do people cross the street when they see your family for fear that you will give them diabetes? <laughs> I don't know. Probably if they saw us, but. <laughs> Like, oh, here comes those people. My goodness. Get on the other side yeah. of the road. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, we've got a lot of supplies in this house. That's for sure. <laughs> I bet. I bet it looks like a pharmacy in there. We have a lot. And like when my daughter was diagnosed, of course, they she couldn't get a Dexcom right away mm-hmm. with insurance. We had to wait for not too long, but a little bit. But I was like desperate. I'm, and so I called my son. I'm like, how many transmitters do you have? <laughs> He's like, I'm, I'm good, mom. I've got plenty. So we were able to slap one on her right when she got home from the hospital. Cause we had, you know, we had plenty of supplies between the two of us. Oh, you can kind of treat the supplies like a rolling. It doesn't matter really. Right. As, as long as you kinda. don't run out. Oh, that's kind of yep. nice. Oh, I would it is kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, the upside of three people yeah, in a house. Having I know. Diabetes. I know. Yeah. And I, you know, I know a couple of people local and I'm like, do you ever need anything? You know, not that I, you know, can give away everything, but if you get stuck, let me know. Out of the back we, of a van, you're selling yeah. watches and lending people <laughs> sensors and stuff. Can I interest you in a transmitter? <laughs> <laughs> I've got this G5 still now. You know, oh, it says goodness. it's out of date, but you know, um, how, how far is your daughter away at school? Is she local or is she somewhere else? She's not. She is not far at all. She's just up in Milwaukee, which is not far. It's about without if there. Uh, there's hardly any traffic going that way, anyways. But it's like an hour and ten minutes. So it's okay, it's a phenomenally drive. close. I love it. I think Arden's going to go to Georgia, and that's of course a plane ride for us. Uh, see, so. well, my daughter wanted to go to um, uh, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and I was like, uh, like uh, this is before diagnosis. I, I still thought that was too far. I was <laughs> like, oh, you know, you can't come home on you know long weekends and stuff like that. And then she got diagnosed, and I was like, oh my! I was like panic stricken. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> what am I gonna do? 
And then she picked that school and I was just breathed a huge sigh of relief. Did did she seem Uh, to care about the distance or was it just something you were worried about? Oh, no, it was a total mom problem. She was not concerned at all. I mean, as far as her diabetes goes, she was not concerned at all. All right. Um, I think she started thinking like, oh, if I ever want to come back home other than, you know, long breaks, I'm kind of out of luck. And this school that she went to happened to give her the most money and she didn't want student loans. So she made a smart decision. Sure. And it's a good, it's a phenomenal school. So, you know. No, that's good stuff. Um, You know, with Arden, we've had some opportunities in the last couple of months I mean, we've obviously been sl- slowly handing Arden's care to her very slowly, very slowly. But I sped it up a little bit a few months ago. And I just said, look, if you expect to go away to school, you really have to be able to take care of this, like front to back. So let's, you know, I'm going to back out of this as far as I can. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're going to take your lumps here, but like, let's let you uh, like get to it. She's doing a really great job. Um, That's good. But still, it's you know, it feels like a really... A really far distance, you know, like she's, we drove down there for the visit and it was like 14, 15 hour drive. And, you know, even if you need to take a flight, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to take. Yeah. My, my middle son, who is not type one, he went to school about three hours away and he had a medical emergency and that three hour car drive was the longest car drive of my life. Like it felt like it was, I don't know, four, four or five days. I just, I couldn't get there fast enough. And the fact that she's only an hour and 10 minutes away. Just makes me yeah. breathe a sigh of relief because it still would be, you know, in a medical emergency, it still would seem like a long time, but it's a whole lot faster right. than um, anything further. Yeah. I, the other place Arden was thinking of was in Manhattan, and that's an hour for us. So I was like, that's fine. Like, I could even mm-hmm. get on a train and be there in like 90 minutes. And so I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, do that. Like, you know, <laughs> although I have to admit the living in Manhattan part sounded really expensive. So I was like, mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so maybe not. Yeah, maybe go to Georgia. Um all right, I want to shift gears here a little bit. And mm-hmm. you you put this in your note to me, and so I'd like to learn more about it because it's the first time it's come up in the podcast. But one of your children had uh, a health difficulty with vaping. Yes. And I wanted to know more about that. It's not something I know anything about. Yes, that was my uh, 24-year-old who is type 1. Mm-hmm. Um, he was vaping, and I knew he was vaping. Um I was not happy with his vaping. He was vaping um, marijuana. I was not thrilled with it. It wasn't a all day long occurrence, but it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. I just didn't, it wasn't the marijuana that bothered me so much. It was the vaping part. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much stuff in there that you don't know about. And, you know, sure enough, (laughs) he got sick. He, um, because I had told him from the time he was diagnosed as type one. And when he moved out of the house, I'm like, if you ever get sick, if you ever get a fever and it's, you know, let me know, let me know right away when you have a fever. Cause I'm always scared of DK. So he called me one day and he's like, you know, mom, remember you told me to let you know, like whenever I had a fever. And I said, yeah. He's like, well, I've had a fever for like four days. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I got right on it, mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks for letting me know on day one. And he's like, you know, I feel pretty bad. I've been to the doctor once. Um, They said I have uh, uh, just like a pneumonia type of thing. And I was like, okay, well, that's not great. But, you know, let me go grab you some groceries. I'll get you some, you know, just sick, sick food, you know, especially with diabetes. I wanted to make sure that he was, you know, getting the carbs and taking the insulin to stay away from DK. So I ran to the store, went to his house, walked in, took one look at him, dropped the groceries. I'm like, you are not okay. So we went straight to the hospital and um, sure enough, they got us right in because they didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they, you know, they thought it was an infectious disease, something, cause he couldn't breathe. I mean, he was coughing and he was, he could, but he was having a very hard time breathing. Um, but he was miserable. And so they got us in, they admitted him, you know, we all had to wear gowns and masks and stuff like this is well before COVID. So this is all new to us. And, um, you know, we had all that. And so the first two days he was in a general room and they still didn't know what was wrong with him. They're like, Oh, he's got this, he's got this, maybe this, but tests were all inconclusive. Like nothing came back positive. So they yeah. didn't know what was wrong with him, but he continued to get worse. So then they're like, all right, we'll do a biopsy on his lungs. And I don't, they knew that he was vaping. They knew that he had a history of vaping, but it just, I don't think, I don't think it clicked with the doctors because this was all new. The whole vaping, I forget what it's called, vaping lung disease or something like that. Yeah, I'm looking at it It right now. It has some sort of a name now, but then it didn't because it was just the beginning of all of these, of this pocket of time where all of these people were getting sick. So then they went to do the biopsy in his lung. And when they were doing that, he stopped breathing or his stats went down to like 20, whatever happened, they put him on a ventilator Mm -hmm. and there he stayed for, I think it was 12 days. Wow. Wow. He was on a ventilator longest 12 days of my life, of course, um, because they just didn't know what was wrong with him. And I think it was like, I don't know, the first couple of days he was on the ventilator on the news was the very first death in Illinois from this vaping disease. And mm-hmm. I thought, here we go. And right then I'm like, here's, this is what's going to happen. And I started to prepare myself and that sounds terrible, but that's personally how I, I deal with things. Like I would have been devastated no matter, no matter how much I prepared myself, it would have been just horrible. And I just can't even think about it. Right. But at that time, I'm like, I just have to prepare myself. I have to enjoy the time that I have with him now. And that's what I did. And I did not, I hardly left the hospital. They like forced me to leave a couple of times. They're like, you really need to go take a shower or you really need to go get something to eat. (laughs) Or, um, and the one time I actually did leave because my daughter had some sort of fundraising meeting or something. And I felt bad because I, you know, wasn't paying attention to any of my other kids. Mm -hmm. So I went to that with her. And of course the doctor called me the hospital. They're like, you need to get back here. His, I think his lung collapsed or something, something pretty bad had happened. So I, flew back and I'm like, I'm never leaving the hospital ever again. (laughs) So, um, it was, it was pretty bad. Uh, and they, again, they didn't know what was wrong with him. They thought they knew, um, eventually with the vaping and the deaths that were happening and all the, all the illness around regarding this that was popping up, but they didn't know what to do. So on his lucky for him, he was young, lucky for him. His heart was in great condition. Um, And they just pumped him full of steroids and crossed their fingers. And somehow, I don't know how, but somehow he came out of it. Wow. And, uh, but during that time, his type one care, I was panicked about too. And the first two days was horrible. The nurses probably know it probably was not their fault. They just didn't have the training. They didn't know what to do. They were doing sliding scale and it just was a mess. But then once we got to the ICU, those nurses were phenomenal. They knew how to do it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They, not only did they know what to do, they respected my wishes. Like they, they would tell me, they let me keep a Dexcom on him. Um, and this poor Dexcom went through CT scans. I know it's not supposed to, but it survived. And I still did poke his finger just to make sure, but it just made me feel better to kind of have a, a gauge. And even with all going through all the CT scans and he had one like every single day, um, that Dexcom still worked. It still was 
pretty much in range, even when I poked his finger, but they, they really respected my wishes um, of letting me know, like when they would test him, they put everything up on a whiteboard so I could see, they let me know how much insulin they were giving him. They would ask me, is this okay? You know, do you you think, do you agree with this? And I, I can't say enough about them. Like, I wish I could go back and hug each and every one of them because they just, they knew how concerned I was about this vaping illness. And above that, I was concerned about his diabetes as well. And they just, they couldn't have been more wonderful. That's excellent. You're going to obviously heal better if your blood sugars are stable and lower. So, right. And that's, that was part of my concern. And, you know, the first two days of these nurses who didn't know what they were doing. And again, no fault of their own because they were probably trained to do what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I got up there, they just, they really, and I taught them a lot too. They're like, Oh, we didn't know that. Or we didn't know that. And so we, we worked together and we, we got him through it somehow, but it it was how long, I'm sorry. How long until you thought he was out of the woods? Like what was that time frame? Uh, not until they started trying to take him off the vent. So um, it, almost so, two weeks. Cause it was, it was bad, bad, bad. And every day his lungs would get worse. And at one point his x-ray, you couldn't even see his lungs. It looked like a, just a white screen. I mean, it just was, mm-hmm. it was just completely covered. Um, so that was pretty scary. And again, they just kept pumping him and he, you know, he was sedated, um, it wasn't in a coma, but he was sedated for the ventilator. And then I think it was on day 10 that they're like, okay, we see a little bit of improvement. And he was had started to breathe over the vent, which I didn't know. I didn't know you could do that. I thought if you were on a ventilator, you were just on a ventilator. I didn't realize you could also breathe at the same time, Okay, but he was like fighting the ventilator with his breathing, even though he was um, sedated. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, that's a good sign. So they, um, and, and his x-rays started to look better. I think, actually, I think it was like day nine or I don't know, I think maybe let's say day 10, right. His x-rays started to look better in the morning and then in the afternoon they looked even better. So then they're like, all right, we'll start trying to, um, I forget all the medical terms, something to do with peep. I remember that word. It had something to do with the, I think the amount of air that they were giving him, but they started to wean him off of the ventilator and see what would happen. Mm-hmm. And the first day it didn't happen. Um, we, we all had our fingers crossed. We're like, Oh, this is going to work. And it didn't. So they had to sedate him again. And then the next day we tried again in the morning, didn't work. And then the next afternoon we tried again. And and as we were trying, his x-rays were getting better and better. No idea how or why, uh, maybe his body finally started fighting it. I don't know. Maybe the steroids finally started to work work their charm. We'll never know, but, um, he started to get better. And then finally, I think it was on the 12th day um it the morning didn't work but the afternoon time worked and they were able to take the ventilator out how long um prior to the illness had he been vaping do you know um i probably a couple of years okay. so i don't think it was i mean vaping i think is not good for you i'm just gonna that's my personal feeling mm-hmm I think he got a hold of some bad cartridges that had what I think they find found it was like the vitamin E or there was something else that was tainted in some of these cartridges. And that's why all of a sudden all these people were getting sick. And I think they must have stopped putting that in the cartridges since then, because now you don't hear of it. Was he like just he did at that time? Was he just vaping um, like weed oil or was he also like just doing, I guess, nicotine 
he never, nope. It was always wheat oil. Okay. It was never nicotine. So he, I don't, he must've gotten a bad cartridge, maybe an illegal cartridge. Um, but I remember the CDC uh, wanted to, they got a hold of all of our, all of his cartridges and some lady, it was kind of like, it felt like it was like a little drug deal or something. She showed up at the hospital with this bag and we had to do a little trade off. <laughs> you know, we went through all of his drawers at his house and got all, all of his stuff that he got. Cause we wanted to give it to them so that they could try and figure out right. what was going on. That's amazing. Um, well, yeah, it, it, it was a big problem. They were, it was a they huge, were probably was, panic too. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge problem and it happened very quickly and it lasts, it was very severe for, I think like two or three months. I don't really remember because right. I was really focused on just him, but I remember it being really bad for a short while and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. So, and unfortunately he was one of the ones and he actually, I think they called him patient zero or something at that hospital, or maybe it was in the count. I don't know if it was in the state or if it was in the County. I can't remember now. That's not a nickname he, you want. Um. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> Um, and you know, now we, now we joke about it now that he's okay. Cause mm-hmm. he's like, Hey mom, I two claims to fame. I patient zero for that. And then years ago, he and his brother, um, both got whooping cough, which they both were vaccinated against whooping cough, but they were on the news, two students at so-and-so high school <laughs> whooping cough. So he's like, I have two things, mom. I'm like, Oh, please don't be proud of those. <laughs> I, I don't know if you all remember the whooping cough kid, but guess what? He's back. Um, he's, he's back. <laughs> hey, uh, not to make light of this, but how does he get his weed in now? Oh, he does not touch anything. Oh, oh that was it. That fixed that him right it. up. It, the, the thing is, he was on a ventilator for 12 days. Of course, doesn't remember much of that. Mm-hmm. That's not what stopped him from vaping or smoking weed. What stopped him is his chest tube that he had in those three days after he was off the ventilator when he was conscious. And he they, said, were Mom, dra- they were draining his chest. Oh, yeah. He said, I don't ever want to have a chest tube in ever again. He said he could feel it every time he moved. He said the whole idea of the chest tube. He said, so if, he, he said, so if any parent ever wants their kid to stop smoking, tell them to put a chest tube in their kid. And I guarantee their kid will stop. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's a viable deterrent, but uh... <laughs> I don't, I don't think it is, but you know, I, I take his point. Of... I take his point. Oh, oh, I see. So he stopped. Uh, he stopped. That. Yeah. That's um. That's something else. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hold on. We've done a lot here. Give yeah. me a half a second. I got to breathe. Okay. <laughs> I know. We've got a lot going on in this family. I mean, honestly, <laughs> there's so much happening that any, it, it, I mean, there's no way to like even head down a road, but I, I do want to go back to your, to your daughter because I, I feel like we just kind of skipped over her for a second. So you are... <laughs> Helping her manage or no? Um, not really. Uh, I, you know, I if I see it being low, I just remind. I mean, when she she sees it's low too, she never doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. I just like her to acknowledge me, to let me know that she sees it, because then I feel better. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I know she she sees it. She's taking care of it. Um, but as far as management, I don't do too much. I mean, she's in college now, so there's not a whole lot I can do. Right? Do you go with um, her to endo appointments? I used to, I don't anymore. Um, we have the same endo, she and I, uh, luckily that's the one that came to see her when she was diagnosed in the hospital. So she got to be with her right away, which was fantastic. I was so excited. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have to fight to switch doctors. Um, but I don't go anymore. Um, but she, you know, she has signed a waiver and I can ask questions because we usually have our endo appointments about the same time because we're every three months. So I'm usually a week or two after my daughter. So you guys have the same, she's, she's not using a, 
a, a child's endo. She's using an adult. No, she's using an adult because okay. she was 18 when she was diagnosed. You can stay with them longer if you're in college. I think it's 24 maybe is the number. You can, I, even, I, you can keep seeing your pediatrician into your 20s right, if you want but to. But she, because she was 18 at diagnosis, they didn't start oh, her with oh, a, excuse me, a yeah, yeah. Um, pediatric endo. They just sent her straight to the adult, which yeah. is fine. I'm glad they did because our doctor's phenomenal. I love her. I've been, I've um, but been, yeah, she. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. I was just say she was diagnosed back in February, and that one, I they all the signs were there. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know if I chose not to see them. <laughs> um, she had lost a lot of weight, but you know it was also a teenage thing. You know she lost a lot of weight, but she'd been exercising. She was hungry all the time, but she was a teenager. She was drinking all the time, but she she's been doing that for like a million years. That's just her. Water, yeah. Um. So all of those things, it just didn't click or maybe it did click. And I just didn't want it to come to the surface of my brain. I, I don't know. Um, but well, then she started really, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if I was you, I would have tried. I think my brain would have tried to avoid it too. Honestly, I, I, I really think that my brain probably was yeah. um, because she lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Uh, You've had enough. Yeah. Honestly, if I'm being, I mean, no, uh, no one's in charge of this, but if there's a, <laughs> You know, if there's a line that says I've had my fill of this, I think you're done. I think whatever you owe the universe, you you uh, you, you paid back already. Well, I mean, I hope so. Yeah, um, I hope so. But uh, I brought her. She went to the doctor not because of those symptoms, but because she had really bad heartburn, like mm-hmm. so much so that she had stopped eating. She's like, it just hurts. I can't swallow anything. So I'm like, all right, we better go have that checked out. And the doctor, you know, checked her out and saw the weight loss, but didn't think anything thing of I mean she mentioned it and she's like are you working out and my daughter's like well yeah she's like well it's quite a bit of weight and again Heather how does somebody not go well since your mom your dad your brother and your uncle have type 1 diabetes what if we just check well, your blood we, sugar we had seen a doctor there, there was like five pediat- pediatricians in the office and we had our general one but that one was busy so we saw somebody else and I always am convinced at that time, I was always convinced that somebody, you know, I I don't know. I always ask the question, could it be diabetes? (laughs) Yeah, I would too if Um, I was you. (laughs) And I didn't say, could it be diabetes necessarily? But I just said, could we just do some blood work just because this is just weird and she's just not eating. And as long as we're here and the doctor's like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. You know, go, go right now. We'll do some blood work. And she gave us some antacids or a prescription for something. Mm -hmm. And so she went to get her blood work done. And then that night at like one in the morning, my phone rang. And it had a city that's close by. And I thought, that's weird. Um, and then my, but I didn't get to it in time. It was the house phone that rang first. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sorry. Take the back. The house phone rang first. And I didn't get to it because I don't have the house phone in my room. And then my cell phone rang and it's had the city. And I thought, that's, that's got to be the hospital. And, you know, it could be one of my other kids. So I answered it. And it was our, our real pediatrician. And he's like, how's your daughter doing? And I'm like, what? And I'm like half asleep. He's like, how's she doing? And I'm like, I don't know. She's sleeping. <laughs> and he's like her glucose levels. And as soon as he said that I flew out of bed, I'm like, Oh my God, you stop there right there. Cause I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. And he said, you need to get her to the hospital, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah. and then the next day, the original doctor called and she said, I just want to apologize. She said, I should have done a urine test. And I said, don't, you know, don't worry. You know, it, it's fine now. Right, she's it's okay. all going to work out. She's okay. Um, you know, ha- having not seen all of the background, I probably wouldn't have thought that either because she didn't present with 
You know, Mm -hmm. she didn't say, Hey, I've been drinking a lot of water. Hey, I'm hungry all the time. She just said, I have heartburn and I can't eat. (laughs) I think Tandem and Dexcom should send you like a punch card, like at a submarine (laughs) shop, you know, and like after a certain number of sensors, I send you a free one or something like that. Fair seems fair on that one. You know what I mean? That would would be nice. Yes. (laughs) You ought to be on the box of the, of the Tandem Uh, (laughs) T-Slim. Man, (laughs) you know, I know. I'm trying to just like, you know, sitting there. I'm trying to convince my daughter to, and I'm not really convincing her. I'm just trying to, I feel like she'll have an easier time. Not that she's having a hard time with MDI. She really is doing great, but mm-hmm. um, she's, she's like, I just don't want to pump. It's fine. I don't mind carrying around my insulin and this and that. At first she was going to do Omnipod back when she was first diagnosed, but now she's like, I don't know. I'm st- going to stick with what I'm doing for now. Yeah. Again, I think people should do what's working for them. And yeah. What, what and so whatever works with. for her, Yeah. you know, I, I love my pump, but that doesn't mean that she will. How do you, um, I have one more question. Uh, how yes. do you come to find yourself listening to the podcast? Well, I started listening religiously when COVID hit because I started really walking a lot and mm-hmm. I needed something to do. And I can't, I don't know if somebody told me about it or how I came across it. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And a lot of the things I already knew, but it's just, it's just, it's nice to hear other people. It's nice to feel like you're not alone. Yeah. It's nice to hear that other people have problems. <laughs> you know, you might not have them. Um, I, I that sounds bad. I don't. I don't. Oh, no. I don't mean well, it's nice that other people have problems. Well, but. Heather, let me stop you. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> so, um, and I know you didn't mean it in like a like a biting right. way, but it, it is comforting to not feel alone. Yes. And in yeah. this scenario, other people having problems is how you don't feel alone, which is yes. sucks for them, but really great for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I know and, what you're saying. Yeah. And so when I, you know, would hear these different things, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just that's so devastating. And then I'm like, my problems don't seem like nothing. It's like, okay. Yeah. You know, they had to deal with that. Mine, mine is nothing. Um and I, I just I I really even though I knew most of the stuff, it was fun to listen and be like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Oh, I should try that. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been listening too much lately. I've been, I've been so busy. I couldn't even tell you what I'm doing, um, but I need to get back into it because I, there's so many that I haven't listened to. But I did send my daughter when she um, was first diagnosed. I sent her a list of like the, the important ones, like for the newly diagnosed. And she really enjoyed listening to them as well. Oh, well, I'm glad. Um, I actually am getting ready to do an episode with Jenny where we, I went on the Facebook page and, uh, the private Facebook page. And I asked people about what helped them when they were newly diagnosed or what they wish somebody would have told them. And we compiled what everyone said and Jenny and I are going to go over it in an episode. Oh, um, which that'll be a good one. Yeah. I'm excited for, but you know, it's funny. A lot of people I know who have podcasts about other things, not diabetes specifically, they would say that like COVID killed their show, and my show like like exploded during COVID. Well, and I'm definitely one of those people yeah, because I I would do this three and a half mile loop, and I'd put the ear earbuds in, and off we'd go. Yeah. My, <laughs> I'd listen to it. Oh, I appreciate it very much. My initial concern was that oh, I, I just in my mind imagined that people must listen while they commute and now no one's commuting anymore. And my gosh, this is going to be terrible, but it, it absolutely went the other direction. So mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. really, I was really grateful. I was nervous there for a while. There was about a, a week and a half, two weeks where not just me, but every podcast, like, it, like podcasting dipped, like I think it was 18% when 
one month at the beginning of COVID. And I heard these reports and I was like, oh gosh. And I went and looked at my numbers and I had gone up and I was like, oh, yeah. am I going to be the exception to this rule? I was like, please. Um, and it, you know, it did work out that way. So, I mean, COVID was great for this podcast. I can't believe that's <laughs> what I'm saying, but it really was. Uh, it really helped it explode even more, um, which was, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful other people find the the information, you know, uh, and, and have an opportunity. So it's just very cool. So your daughter did listen um, I'd like to see you get your brother to listen. I bet you couldn't do oh. that for money. <laughs> There's no way. Uh-uh. Not going to happen. Unless I play it when he's here. <laughs> he comes up on Saturdays. Maybe I'll just blast it. <laughs> I'll tell you, boy, I, I don't know if he's got that type of uh, like personality where he'd want to talk, but but there's something about his story I, th- I, I find really interesting. I, you, know. I, you know what? I think he would have a fantastic story if I can convince him to do it. Yeah. We'll see. Don't pre- I don't know if I can. Oh, don't pressure him. But if you ever, <laughs> if it pressure. ever comes up, tell him I'd, I'd be fascinated to hear from somebody that's been managing for that long that way. Um, mm-hmm. and, and hear how he's doing and, and what he's doing. I, really yeah. sincerely. Yeah. That'd, that'd be something. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I'm still confused. I mean, not confused. I'm still fascinated that he's still alive in general <laughs> with his <laughs> background. Um, but the fact that he's able to control himself, and be alive just the way he's doing it is yeah, he's no, doing something right. I so. need to, I need to talk to him just so I can ask um, like what kind of drugs and what were you doing? And like, I'm super, I know you don't want to share his personal <laughs> information, but like in my mind, he's, you know, I don't know. He's flying on the nose of a jet plane with the uh, heroin in his hand. And I'm like dying to know his whole story. Uh, but, yeah, no, he, I'm sh- like I said, I, I really didn't think he was going to make it through his teenage years. I, I really didn't. And so thankful that, he did because he's an amazing uncle uh, all around to my kids. Just that's excellent, and an, ama- and an amazing brother. But <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, that's excellent. I'm glad for you. Well, I um I really appreciate you doing this, and, and if we didn't miss anything that you wanted to talk about, I feel very good about this episode, and I think no, it's time I, to stop. I think we touched on pretty much everything. <laughs> excellent, good. I'm glad. I had a great time talking with you. I really appreciate yeah, you doing this. I did too. Thank you so much. Well, Sorry my- about my dogs barking. <laughs> no, listen, people like dogs. They. I get notes sometimes that people miss my dogs because I moved away from them. So um, anyway, that's a uh, that I I liked your dogs barking. I thought it was well. Nice. They still they usually can go with my mom and dad, but they how dare them? They went to Hawaii for two weeks, so <laughs> it's, it's me and the dogs during my spring break. So <laughs> well, enjoy that. Uh, all right, all right. Thank hold you. On, hold on one second for me. A huge thanks to Heather for sharing her story with us. And another thank you to US Med and Contour Next One. USMed.com forward slash juice box or call 888 721 1514. Are you looking for that brand new Freestyle Libre 3? Get your hands on it at US Med. If you're looking for the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, look no farther than ContourNext.com forward slash juice box. You may pay less in cash than you do through your insurance for the Contour Next One and the test trips. Go check it out. If you're enjoying the Juice Box podcast, please tell someone else about it, like your doctor, a friend, a stranger on the street. Anybody, really. And don't forget to please subscribe or follow in an audio app like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, stuff like that. Just go into your audio app, search for the podcast, 
hit subscribe or follow whatever the app is using. I don't know why they all can't just pick one, but they can't. Now I have to say subscribe or follow, follow or subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast.